The Business of Biotech is produced by Life Science Connect and its community of learning, solving, and sourcing resources for biopharma decision makers. If you're working on biologics process development and manufacturing challenges, you need to swing by bioprocessonline.com. If you're trying to stay ahead of the cell or gene therapy curve, visit cellandgene.com. When it's time to map out your clinical course, let clinicalleader.com help. And if optimizing outsourcing decisions is what you're after, check out outsourcepharma.com. We're Life Science Connect, and we're here to help. On my swing through San Francisco, I had the pleasure of sitting down to record episodes with a handful of flagship pioneering CEO partners, including today's guest, Cell Biomedicine CEO, Dr. Guillaume Pfeffer. You're likely aware that Cell was just formed up in Q4 of last year, the product of flagship's decision to merge Senda Biosciences and Laurent, two of its programmable medicine platform companies. What you likely haven't heard is the inside story and how the merger was executed, how the two companies are integrating their talent, IP, and resources, and what Dr. Pfeffer and team are currently doing to take the fruits of the company's platform into the clinic. I'm Matt Piller. This is the Business of Biotech. And on today's episode, we're getting under the hood of cell biomedicines with Dr. Guillaume Pfeffer. Let's give it a listen. When did you come here from France? Uh, 23 years ago, something like that. 23 years, yeah. Well, you're holding on to that accent nicely. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, I will die with the accent, but well, I, I know. decided to become American. Uh, the kids speak beauty, beautiful with an accent, English, but I will Dude, try yeah. with my wife with uh, some very thick French accent. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of folks who have come over from uh, various places uh, who have lost it over time. You know, for so. some reason, it's not in me. That's good. That's good. Hang on to that. Hang on to that. So I have a choice. I'm I'm going to uh, ask you questions about you yeah, and, and yes. how you how you you know got into science and, yeah. and that kind of thing in a bit. But I want to start um, with the more recent news. Uh, well, we'll start with the, the Q4 news, right? So in Q4, uh, flagship, which by by the way, I'm a huge fan of flagship. Well, great. Uh, yeah. I am great. Too. <laughs> You know, as a as someone who covers the space, it's just such a target rich environment, and the people are terrific, right. friendly, yeah. easy to work with, transparent. Yeah. So yeah. good, good company. You're There's in. a ton of energy at in the ecosystem, and we are fearless when it comes to trying to make an impact in this world. Not only on the health side, but uh, you're probably aware of the sustainability effort. We're also looking to. Uh, uh, get into sustainability of pesticide, insecticide, and contribute to uh, uh, health, health and not only human health. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very excited by how bold and wide we are in our views of bringing science to the benefit of uh, humanity and uh, and and health. So it's, it's exciting to be part of the ecosystem. It certainly sure. is. Yeah. So um, in 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 Q4 last year, it was uh, Senda and Laurent, right? That's right. Combined to form Cell Biomedicines. So let's start there. Right. Sure. What was the what was the backstory? Uh, we were just talking about being bold and believe in science and having a fearless and a big ambition of making an impact in the humankind. Um, we have come to the realization, having been in the field as flagship for quite some time, that we are, as an industry, on the brink of transforming deeply what we can do for patients with fully programmable medicine. If you look at the arc of industry, we've been as an industry trying to do more with regard to raising the productivity 
or for discovery to development to license product mm-hmm. through different ways. Uh, the last one with accessing the genetic codes and building companies such as Moderna, um, that program today, part of medicine, case of Moderna mRNA, but you can think of an island with siRNA, and mentioned obviously uh, BioNTech and now Pfizer on the mRNA side just announced we have the first CRISPR mm-hmm. um, medicine on the market also coming from this era of programming molecule that we just cannot program medicine just yet but it's just a matter of time now it's not a matter of uh, if anymore with that context in mind and knowing that we've been in this biotech industry for quite some time and contributing and leading some of this transformation we come to the realization that we had in the portfolio already the maturing technology that if combined could create this acceleration into the future, into this era for more medicine. And we made a bold move to combine two of our largest and most promising companies, La Ronde and Sander Biosciences, decided to put it together because they have reached the maturity and we thought the time had come to play a very big move into accelerating our industry into the era of programmer medicine. And I will give you much more of the technology of stacking, if you want, or science advanced. Yeah, we'll get into that. Into that for sure. Yeah. But maybe one word uh, and one one sentence more exactly that summarize um, the bold ambition here is a vision statement of the uh, company that now you can appreciate with what I'm telling you with regard to this arc of the industry mm-hmm. that led us to this um, uh, industry being at the verge of fully programmable medicine. The statement for vision is generating tomorrow medicine today through the language of life. And we're seeing medicine, not just part of medicine. And we're not even aspirationally looking at discovering, but generating, give you a sense of productivity, predictability, acceleration, of number of programs that can move and actually, and we're very excited, diversity of disease that can get get into uh, down the road. So yeah. very big move, amazing opportunity, and we hope to be contributing to making uh, this industry a more productive one with fully programmable medicine. Amazing opportunity, but a lot of work too. I mean, anytime, sure. you, anytime you bring two companies together, there are going to be things that are are there in abundance, maybe too much, right? And there are going to be things that are missing. So That's let's right. talk from, from your leadership perspective. Let's right. talk a little bit about that. Like sure. what, what was, we'll start with the, maybe the upshot. What was uh, synergistic right. and what did you have in abundance by bringing the company? Yes, together? that's a very good question. Uh, well, one of the things that I can tell you is it makes sense for everybody involved, uh, board member, all of the investor, of course, or ecosystem and decision maker at flagship, but also the team. And I mentioned the team last, but importantly, as you merge company, it doesn't make sense. You're fighting against it doesn't make sense to put this thing together. In this case, half of the battle is already won because for everybody involved, it makes sense. Why it makes sense? Because we are synergistic more than overlapping. One company was advanced with one of the best next generation RNA proposition on the market with circular RNA that we coin at endless RNA. We're going to give you much more details about it, but yeah. it expands the programmation of RNA vastly beyond what is afforded today with linear RNA. This company was looking at the delivery of RNA, which is the basic 
LNP. Again, we can maybe cut back to the future. So commoditized delivery, very advanced RNA with endless RNA on one side, which is the Laron side. Mm -hmm. The Senda side, we had exactly the opposite. A very novel way to actually program deployment of RNA or delivery of RNA with a very commoditized mRNA technology attached to it. All together now, we have the most comprehensive and most advanced entirely programmable RNA medicine in the industry with linear RNA, circular RNA, LNP, and natural nanoparticle all together. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Where we have actually synergies, some of this position, obviously, that's why we had in redundancy and we've been able to um, organize ourselves to move through that transition quite swiftly. And we are now very much in position of executing the integration three months in is almost behind us at this stage. Yeah. And we're quite excited to be going after this. It makes sense vision that we all have and mm -hmm. put our energy into building yeah. more than integrating. So after the, 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 the battle is won when you have actually a purpose that makes sense for everybody. And I'm quite excited yeah. to see that everywhere in the organization. You, you, you use the key word integration. So when two companies merge, right. inter integration needs to happen at, a, right. at every level. Systems like yeah, exactly. operating systems, office right. systems, people. Yeah. Um, and, and when that integration happens, that's where sometimes what's missing reveals itself. Yeah, that's where the you know that's where the sweat equity comes. In. You got to roll up your sleeves and make things happen. So walk us through that. Like what was what, when you when you began that integration of the companies in earnest? Well, two part question. I'd like to know what it looks like. Right. I mean, did you bring these people and, and facilities physically together? And then two, uh, how did you muscle through that actual? marriage part, yeah, right yeah, yeah. i'm married i know you got a muscle I, uh, too, right? <laughs> it is a work of every day on both sides of the table but we are right. going to play victim here <laughs> it's, it's a work that requires a two ways collaboration mm -hmm. uh, which actually brings me to something which is important here is when you have a common sense of purpose that is clear for everybody and you manage to ignite energy behind it again you you cover a lot of a very necessary energy that you need to absorb the change and have people including myself involved into this transaction and integration putting the extra effort to bring it together because you believe it you believe in what we're trying to do so that was very important to appreciate as we announced to the team uh, both company announced at the same time to bring you into the story and what happened exactly that day where we make the announcement we engaged separately the two teams explained that we were merging and brought the same day the two teams together and celebrated and started asking the question and of course starting with our own energy beyond the purpose and realizing we had won that battle it makes sense for everybody we talked to mm -hmm. i went for another uh, um, merger situation at the start of my journey with flagship where it was making not as much a sense and i had to fight for months and months, actually more than a year, yeah. to build, actually even reshape the vision, to ignite the energy of one team behind one single purpose. Here, it was at the beginning pretty clear for everybody. So now, of course, you have a mini-gritty of integrating system. We have, uh, of course, two different systems. We have two different human resource policies. We have a bunch of uh, legal uh, policies and documents that needed to be harmonized. 
Um, you know, where, where can I go? We have two sites and we want one site. All of that is certainly being done and prosecuted today, mm -hmm. but again, by a team of people that believe in the mission and want to get at it and actually want to get done with it as fast as yeah, you can, I can to move forward into building the company. Right. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to do great things in science and in medicine and, and, and you have a disruptive uh, business challenge to solve, right. i.e. A, a merger, uh, just give us some, pretend like you're speaking to someone who is um, on the cusp of seeing that for the first time. Right. Yeah. Some advice on, yeah. on how to how to maintain that mission driven focus right. and not lose sight of that while you're distracted by this disruption right. yes. of the merger. So I, I, I hammer the sense of purpose, which I think is absolutely critical. So I'm going to put it on the on the on the side and get into another key element: uh, directness, transparency, or communication, and over communicating mm -hmm. is key. You have to make yourself and the leadership team available to the entire team. And it has to be a two-way street as far as delivering what we're trying to do and receiving from the team what they are actually experiencing. Mm -hmm. You also need to build these highly collaborative, which we have built in the two companies. So that was very nicely in place, but it has to be a collaborative work all of the way. You just cannot integrate from the top down. Everybody needs to engage. And you don't want bystanders that sit in the arena and look at what's going on <laughs> on the field. You want everybody to basically get at it. So now from that, it becomes harnessing the energy of people willing to put the extra work to get it done with integration while actually keeping building the organization. So the key additional point that I want to bring to you beside a very strong sense of purpose and make sure that everybody sees it is directness and transparency and over communication and creating a very, at least it's my style as a, as a leader, an highly collaborative engagement that give a voice to everybody and create these ways to um, listen uh, to everybody, especially when you bring new team members coming from two different organizations that actually will have to work together. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you start is processing or listening and discovering each other and respected respecting what everybody brings to, to the table and engage this team to building together a company that we have now decided to merge is a critical part of uh, another critical part of what you hope to um, be kept as we move from integration to building the company right. collaborative work yeah how many uh, people are involved in the in the right company? now we are about a little bit less than 200 people mm -hmm which is a significant higher than what we had on two right. companies. And of course, that bring the challenge of two sites. And uh, we have now announced actually that we can be moving in one single site, mm -hmm. which I'm really looking forward to because it's going to continue to jam the organization into one organization, to right. be on one single site. Right now, what I'm very happy to see as I go into the two different sites of a legacy company, I'm seeing familiar face from one company in the other side and vice versa. So I'm already seeing that this highly collaborative uh, uh, work is already happening on the ground. Mm -hmm. And I just cannot wait to see everybody under one roof. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, we made the decision now that we're going to be in one single site and uh, already preparing to move. Yeah. Will you uh will you utilize one of the existing facilities or uh, it's gonna be a new one for, for us, but one that is very well known in our ecosystem and flagship, which is also one of the things that I want to bring to the table is being part of his ecosystem is 
absolutely invaluable in so many dimensions. For sure. Including site selection and right. ability to very quite, quite quickly uh, bring a, a team into one uh, fantastic site with a lot of capabilities and uh, amenities that uh, are needed to uh, propel so science into a product and and uh, medicine for patients, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, why were you chosen to be uh, the leader of the new entity? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough question, you know. <laughs> um, I can use it as a positive or, or negative, but one, one uh, way to answer your question by your question is uh, why me in a guilty kind of way? I'm not insinuating that's a question you ask yourself every morning when you wake up. No. Um, well, I mean, you, I, you can get into a little bit of your, your background if you'd like. I mean, you came to Flagship in 2020, is that correct? From, 2020, from yes, yeah, as right? a partner and CEO. Being a partner, which is how we set up this role now to be CEO and partner, mm-hmm get you to precisely be able to be involved in looking at the full ecosystem. And when we saw opportunities, we can have a voice and engage the rest of the uh, ecosystem and flagship to see how we could collaborate between companies, for instance, or in this case, put companies together. So I do remember that I had that discussion more than a year ago that it may make sense to bring these two companies together. Mm-hmm. We were probably over thinking that the combination was so extraordinary synergistic that at the right time, uh, it would have made sense to do it. As we went through the process, again, in a very collaborative way with several colleagues in the flagship ecosystem, I could have been dropped from being the CEO of the organizations. And I feel very humbled at, and, and trusted and fortunate to be continuing the journey in this merger organization for sure. But it had made sense for quite some time and we had a long ways into putting these companies together. Maybe what I bring to the table, especially in these circumstances of igniting energy and being contagious, but I believe that we I, have I to start being great. Uh, is I get that sense very much. It's very, very your enthusiasm is. I am. Yeah, it's only one life, so we're trying to live it with fun and uh, an impact. And we're so fortunate to be in this industry where the impact is bettering life of uh, everybody, including ourselves. When we get to the point of becoming patient, for sure. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, you were with GSK prior to coming yes. to, to flagship. What, what prompted the move from a I always ask this question, you know, it's not uncommon at all for right. executives to leave big bio for, right. for, you know, new emerging, exciting opportunities. Um, but at the same time, regardless of the fact that it's not uncommon, it's still leaving a, a very relatively safe place, you know, where, you, right. can, you know, you could stay there for life if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, so what, what was in you? What was in you that prompted you to, to join Flagship? It's the second time and I'm doing it. Uh, I was raised at uh, Sanofi or what had become Sanofi from Ron Poulin, Calantis Sanofi, mm-hmm. and then jumped into a bi- biotech and brought back to the industry a little bit despite what I really wanted to do. I, okay. I, I was very happy in this small, fast moving environment that I discovered out of my uh, 15 years at Sanofi with my first biotech. But I could see the impact we would make at GSK and then we can come back to that with this very unique opportunity we had 
But after four years, I was really looking at getting back to something a little bit more uh, speedy, if you want, and uh, energetic. Mm -hmm. I think to me, having done it twice, the balance is, and it's a little bit of a pendulum. Um, I think we've said we're getting into something else that I didn't experience before because of the size of the organization and the um, capital available to the organization. But you're trading impact for speed. In my own experience, having done it twice, mm-hmm. big impact in large pharma, every, especially when you get into, into the late stage commercialization, close to market, close to patient, the science that's emerged from externally or internally become a way to impact massively um, uh, shareholders and patient, obviously. And you're in biotech, most of us are stuck in the early, early stage before most of us failing and a few of us have turned over 10, 15 years, having the chance to put one product maybe on a market platform company have much more to offer, but very few have multiple products to bring to. So you have speed, but without the impact on biotech Mm -hmm. and you have absolutely not speed, but beautiful impact on the pharma side of it. At least from my experience, I don't want to claim that it is a general rules, but it's what I experienced. So, I've been a little bit in this pendulum and I'm very happy with with um, my opportunity uh, to have joined uh, flagship to be back to speed. And with sales, uh, I really think we have impact speed in one single <laughs> company. And I'm really looking forward to impacting uh, the industry with this transformation mm-hmm. into fully programmable medicine. And I want to do that with speed, yeah. <laughs> which is the turmoil medicine today, which is actually indicating a very strong sense of urgency mm-hmm. why patients should wait to be treated. Right. If you could uh, bring science to them, why don't we try to do it faster, mm-hmm. increasing the predictability of the outcome, which is solving for their needs, right? Yeah, yeah. You um, you mentioned your time at San Ofi, and uh, from what I understand, you spent quite a bit of that time, or at least a portion of that time in Mexico. That's right, yeah. You're French, obviously, so yeah. you, you you did work in France. Now you're here in the States. You've been all over the world, and I <laughs> yes. worked all over the world in, in this industry. And I, I remember I had uh, Avak Kavijian on the show he's wonderful. a few months ago. He's wonderful. He's, he's fantastic, and he spent quite a bit of time talking about the immigrant mentality yeah. And, yeah. and that culture yeah. at um, – <laughs> At flagship, um, I mean, you you sort of have that in spades, given that you've done work all over the the world in this industry. How, how does that sort of shape that global perspective? Shape yeah. your leadership style? Why yeah. is it important? Yeah. Uh, first, I'm also an immigrant to these countries, so <laughs> maybe like I'm back at many others, including mm-hmm. one in the U.S. Uh, past generation. We're discussing about your your route as well. Yeah. In a way. Uh, being immigrant and first generation bring you in that space where you need to somewhat reinvent yourself. Um, through my experience, besides being an immigrant and first generation in the US, my experience in Mexico, uh, for instance, and also professionally, uh, and I would I would also bring my, my start in the US. There's something very, again, for me, that happened as I put myself in a totally different environment Starting with, and it was Mexico, but it was the US somewhat. I would use Mexico as an example. No language. You don't know the food. You don't know the people. You don't know the culture. Mm-hmm. You start, you have two ways to do it. You want to bring 
what you come from into the mix and you're trapped into working and living in an island, which is where you're coming from, mm -hmm. or you open up. And you open up through the pressure of not knowing what to do. Yeah. And for me, it was exactly what happened in the US as well when I immigrated. I had no clue what I was doing. Language was not so great. I had a very French accent that I lost since then, as you could see. <laughs> <laughs> but Mexico, I didn't speak the language even my first day. And my first day, actually, I was introduced to my predecessor for a firewall party, and we had 250 um, of my future team members in front of me. And I was expected to speak in Spanish and I have no clue. And I actually had to decide, am I going to speak in French or English and impose that to them? Or am I going to say, I don't know your language, I'm going to need your help to yeah. grow into being able to be part of you and part of this team. And I decided, I, used, I remember vividly, it was in me and I was somewhat frightened, but on the other end, welcoming the opportunity. And I said, I feel like a baby. I'm going through, <laughs> reborn into an environment, into a language, into a culture that I want to appreciate and go into. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very refreshing. It gives you uh, probably humility. It gives you a sense that, especially in leadership, that you need people more than they need you sometimes. Right, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's you, I mean, it had to be daunting. And you put yourself in that situation. So you, I've been tested through these several steps. Um, and you have to find in, in you how you address the adversity and the novelty of a situation. And I found my way, it's just my own way of processing and living yeah. the experience. But it gives me today in what I hope to be a very open mind and welcoming mind to any voice. I have no problem with diversity. I don't even understand why we're making an issue. I do understand that we're biased, mm -hmm. a big problem to solve, but I'm not at all from my experience at the bringing, coming with a hopefully, a, hopefully not too many bias. I should probably have my bias either, but sure. for the pressure of this experience, a lot of my initial bias has been broken down in little pieces. And I, I hope I can bring this sense of uh, inclusiveness mm -hmm. in the team. And again, if you bring that plus a clear sense of purpose and you have talented, experienced uh, industry veterans around you, Sky is the limit. Yeah, yeah. Well, your your uh, your English is proving itself right now. How, how's, how's, your, how's your Spanish? How's your Spanish? I, I, lost it. <laughs> I was proven. <laughs> All right. I want to I want to spend some time talking about the technology yeah, and, the, and sure. the platform. So, um, and I, I guess I'd preface uh, the, I, I'd preface this part of the conversation with the you know the RNA craze, right? Right. Like, you guys are calling it endless RNA. You know, right. we've seen circular in RNA. It, it right. seems as though, you know, it's sexy right now to put a shape or a letter in front of RNA and go, <laughs> and go to market. <laughs> that is not M, <laughs> like Messenger. We did another letter at Messenger. <laughs> Tell me, um, let's start with that. Let's start with yeah. a sort of a fundamental understanding of why endless RNA. Yeah. Why, why, why endless RNA? What is it and why? Yeah. And I will uh, answer with a context of programming the entire medicine. It also means that we need to improve the programming of mRNA. We do program mRNA, don't get me wrong. We can encode through a sequence the translation and ultimately the secretion 
of given protein by cells mm -hmm. by virtue of entering a sequence into the construct of the messenger RNA linear. But it's act like a switch in and off very fast. So you have a burst of protein expressed and then you're done, which pharmacologically speaking, limits the applicability in terms of therapeutic area you can get into. Too high of a C-max get you in some problem that limits the disease you can get into. A quick in and out may not be enough for prolonged expression, but you may need, I would say, for chronic disease, for instance. Mm -hmm. What we've done with eRNA is adding a dimension of the programmability by prolonging the expression of protein that we can still encode into the RNA. So we're extending the programmable programmability of RNA and improving the therapeutic power of RNA. The beauty of what we've done at Cells and by combination of these two companies, now we're stacking in the same company, mRNA and eRNA. So we can program for quick in and out. We can also, with mRNA, we can also program a more prolonged and tunable pharmacokinetic by virtue of programming eRNA. Mm -hmm. But it's only part of the story, and I hope we can dis discuss about deployment as well, which is also part of the stacking, technological stacking that we are. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I, so what I picked up from reading about you was, the uh, you know, you've got these three pillars. We, we, we were just talking about uh, programmable payloads of endless RNA, programmable nanoparticles, and proprietary AI, AI technologies. Yeah. So the stacking fit in somewhere? Like Absolutely, 100%. Because right now what we can do uh, with RNA in general uh, is programming the molecule itself. Mm -hmm. After 15 years, there is one of these molecules on the market. So something is missing. We're talking about extending and prolonging the pharmacokinetic of expression of protein that certainly will help accessing over disease area that the one vaccines that fortunately we've been able to crack with mRNA. There is something else going on here. We just cannot bring RNA to the right cell. And that is where we have also, by virtue of combining the two companies, brought another programmable solution. But I'm excited to talk to you about it. Talk to you. Yeah, right, let's do it. Right, get after it. <laughs> First, everything is sources nature. So vision statement is full the language of life. Mm -hmm. It's obvious for us today that genetic code gives us the ability to program molecules and certainly RNA, should it be linear or um, endless RNA, as we call it, at the cell. But we also found in nature a programming language that helps us to deploy the RNA or deliver RNA to different cells in a programmable way. It turns out species from all kingdom of life have evolved to do what we're trying to do therapeutically speaking, communicate with each other at cellular level. Species have evolved to defend themselves, to grow and make their ecosystem vibrant, to send molecules to cells to other species in their immediate surrounding. Certainly, mm -hmm. true in our own body, we talk about the um, microbiome as, as one area. There's a lot going on also in the pulmonary area. Mm -hmm. Plants are able to defend themselves by doing exactly that as a, as a defense mechanism to um, uh, inject toxins in cells of the pathogenic attacker. They don't run away. Yeah. They just have to defend themselves. Yeah. So these 
interspecies, interstellar communications everywhere and coming from billions of years of evolution. And when we looked at it, we realized that this communication are enabled with a nano-sized vesicle secreted by fish species to enable this communication. And guess what? This vesicle are chemically encoded to bring the directionality of the communication, mm. targeting aspect of it, and they repeat those. So what we spent three years doing in one of our legacy company is extract this molecular composition from natural nanovesicle coming from five kingdom of life. We have 75,000 absolutely novel molecules in our atlas that we are systematically built and curated. Mm -hmm. And we're playing AI and machine learning to this very vast design domain that far exceed what is possible today with synthetic lipid that are being used for classic LNP, used for any mRNA yeah. um, medicine today. So we're bringing these over dimensions so all together now. You can program everything about the medicine, RNA, deployment of RNA. So your AI machine learning become integrative generation of medicine, not just generation of RNA. Yeah. So now the world of fully programmable medicine is opening. And the idea that we can go faster, green predictability and getting to disease that we cannot go into by virtue of bringing RNA or mRNA to cells we cannot reach or repeat those for chronic disease, open water administration or water administration is not anymore a fiction. It's becoming a reality. Yeah. The the leap from the the scientific part of what you're discussing, you know, molecular um, discovery across the animal kingdom to computational biology, AI and machine learning. For some companies, for some people, that's that's a that's a big leap on, on many on many fronts for many facets, right? Like I mean, one, you're marrying science and science and technology that, that haven't necessarily played well or at all together historically. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. Like how have you or how are you at SAIL sort of integrating those two disciplines of thought? You know, you've got to have computational biologists and artificial intelligence yeah, experts yeah. and machine learning folks right. um, working in lockstep with, you know, scientists who get yes. excited about the discovery of, you know, nanoparticles. Right. Right. Yeah. So how do you how do you manage through that? Yes. We do already have a, a AI machine learning team embedded into one of our legacy companies that has already started to bring the power of these capabilities into the more traditional way to uh, hypothesis-driven, experience-driven way to uh, discover, mm -hmm. turn the discovery into generation through computing. And we are bringing uh, this team now to the uh, support of generating transportation or deployment of RNA. Yeah. And ultimately, we want this team to help us to uh, integrated design and generate the entirety of medicine. There's no reason why to stop at component level. We have to do it uh, like a cell phone in a very integrated level. Yeah. Um, but you're raising a very uh, good question. And, and here, I'm going to um, tell you that I don't know how it's going to pan out. You're but... allowed to tell me what you don't know. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But I can also tell you that I checked with several other flagship companies that I've already went through the process yeah. and very certainly culturally an adaptation yeah. to accepting as a scientist, a computational scientist coming at you and said, 
I have a totally different way to think about this problem. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily need to know deeply about the science. I need to be able to have access to the data and sample and explore this very vast design domain that actually you have in front of you. But what you don't have is a lifetime of exploring every single combination right. and accelerate this process and give you some rules, some handles that get you to understand better what's going on here. It's a bit of a deciphering. I mean, you're decoding, if you want, mm -hmm. in your case, what is actually available coming from billions of years of evolution. I mean, you're going at the generation, the, other, the opposite way that we will do with discovery. You accept that the solution is probably there, and you're trying to find the right combination of elements, uh, nucleic acid and uh, uh, nanoparticle, mm -hmm. and natural, nat natural nanoparticle component that together give you a performance that you're looking at uh, delivering as a, as a medicine. So it's a reverse. Define the performance you want, design to reach performance, yeah. which is kind of a very interesting. In engineering uh, term, it's something we do all the time because the technology is much more advanced. You basically do performance by design everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in medicine, it's, it's been quite complicated to do that because we're missing knowledge and ability, or we were missing so far, um, knowledge and ability to um, explore large design domain. But with AI machine learning and what we're bringing to the table at cell, we have a very large design domain on both hands. Think about the combination, it's even faster. Mm -hmm. And now we're bringing AI ML to uh, help us decipher and ultimately generate novel medicine. Yeah. Uh, whenever I talk with companies who are deploying, uh, you know, large deploying AI to work through large data sets and help, you know, get, get closer to the ideal. Um, it's always it, it's difficult to, you know, sit back and sort of imagine in your head, OK, like the, the traditional birth of a biopharma company, a biotech happens this way. And it's kind of easy to follow the continuum. Yeah, yeah. The molecule, this, you know, the the viability of the molecule, the um, the the CMC assessments, and on and right. on down the line. You introduce a whole lot of molecular data to machine learning and AI, and suddenly you have a company that it's it's not so easy to follow that trend line. Right. Like. So can you share, I mean, it's a sort of a vague question, but can you, yeah, like yeah, yeah. where you are right now? I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to learn if a pipeline is in the works to, right. the, to the degree that you can share it, but yeah. um, sort of give us an idea of where, where sale is on that, on that continuum right. in terms of having a therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe stage of a company and what we have the aspiration to deliver in the next, let's say, 30 months or so, mm -hmm. we will be in human in the next 30 months with at least two programs, if not more. Mm -hmm. We will and have set the objective to nominate five growth candidates in the next 18 months. Okay. And as you may have seen, we have engaged uh, through two partnership uh, sales and we're very humble and excited to be working with these two foundations that represent the best expert and most dedicated foundation against two very important diseases, malaria and CFF, or CF and CFTR in particular. We have announced the partnering with um, the Gate Foundation and joined the fight against malaria with two different programs. We like their commitment, we like their expertise, we want to be part of a journey to make a difference. We're not trying to sample 
Um, each other with regard to testing one technology or another, we want to engage into making an impact. Mm-hmm. And we're very proud to be part of this uh, partnership and hopefully bring a solution to malaria, um, which is still a very deadly disease, unfortunately, to these days. Uh, and we also have announced the work with um, uh, the uh, CFF or CFTR with absolutely striking data generated last year with ERNA. But to your question, and one of the things that you evoke with your question is uh, maybe wrongly, but if you embed into your generation AI, you may have to give up somewhat. What are you going to generate? I mean, <laughs> that's, maybe that's, that's what you like, were going that's, with. That's, your very per- that's perceptive because it's, it's actually more concise than the way that I posed that. <laughs> very roundabout question but that's exactly the point i mean which is a good problem to have right it is it's a good problem to have. and the beauty of it is we do have a lot of uh, possibilities from an application viewpoint mm-hmm. and it's kind of amplified with uh, ai which brings us to the real question at least for me operating the company is number one do we want to do all of that ourselves and the answer is absolutely no yeah and uh, i was going into partnering uh, already with that in mind we want to work with the best experts, and uh, it's going to take a village, an entire industry, mm. to embrace uh, fully programmable medicine. Uh, we are one of the many companies that are trying to do it. We are bringing a unique set of uh, technology. We think we have the most comprehensive, entirely programmable medicine, but it's only part of what is needed right. to solve our patient needs. And um, we're very humble about the world. So, bringing expertise, bringing capabilities we don't have is something that we welcome. So if you think like that, you can generate whatever is generated and make it available to companies that want to work with you. That's one. But for internal program, which we do have, it's raised another question. How do you want, where do you want to start? Mm-hmm. And what area do you want to start with? So here we have a few principles. Number one, anything where the biology is not known at this stage for the company, it's a risk we don't want to take. So we want to be in front of proving that our technology works on top of a biology that is the risk. So that is absolutely clear. We may take, as we create a portfolio, a few risks on the biology side, but as an overwhelmingly uh, principle for deciding what to bring to human, we're going to avoid to take biology risk. Mm-hmm. But certainly, we want to prove a platform. We want to prove a platform in multiple axes of value creation. We have open, and I'm thinking about it for three different things. Uh, so if uh, if you give me a minute, is water administration, classically for RNA medicine, IV, IM with vaccine for sure. We are opening right now sub-Q and have a line of sight for maybe more. So water administration, proving that the platform works in human by sampling and selecting program that helps us to check Check, 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 various sort of expression. Then we have what we call modality. Where do we express the protein? Mm-hmm. Within the cell, outside the cell, or at the membrane of the cell? Here, let's give us also a way to sample what the technology can do by deciding to sample the, by virtue of the program we select, this free type of modality. And finally, where do we bring RNA? Which kind of cells and tissues we can access? And today we can access four different tissues and cells, which when you think about this three dimension, 
we have already a lot to do in rare disease, metabolic disease, which is very unique, and chronic disease in general, obviously vaccines, including cancer vaccines. Uh, we have uh, started to crack monoclonal antibody encoded into ERNA, possibly with sub-Q, think about bringing the field of monoclonal antibody via an RNA technology. Yeah, that's That is already going everywhere from an application viewpoint. And of course, CFTR is bringing us to the lung uh, with um, a, a gene, I would say, a repla enzyme replacement or, or approach to a disease which is worded into a, a, a genetic defect. So we are here looking at, at this stage of a company, enabling the de-risking of some of the key features we want in future medicine, more than trying to open one single therapeutic area and becoming the uh, best in this therapeutic area. We will have to pick up a fight going forward for sure. At this stage, it's a lot about demonstrating that the platform can reach many different areas yeah. and sampling the space at this point of time. The, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not been uh, smooth sailing uh, <laughs> you know, from, from a financial market standard yes. in, in the market. Yeah, and it seems like you know a lot of companies um, are, are realizing that they've got to have either a bulletproof platform or or products right. to appeal to investors, right? And right. more often than not, like from what I'm hearing, product is, is yes, key. for sure. It is. Uh, has that been a, I mean, you guys launched in, in Q4 of last year. Um, not, you know, <laughs> maybe to some not the ideal time. Although, you know, other people have told me the best companies are born uh, in the face of adversity. Um, What's been your experience, though, in terms of where the company is uh, in its uh, on this phase of its continuum right. and its reception by the uh, the investor market? Right. So uh, first, we were very well capitalized. The two companies were very well funded. Mm -hmm. So none of these companies had to raise money immediately. So combined, we have uh, the mean and the runway to bring the technology to human without having necessary to raise money. The partnership that we have announced, plus likely another one at least by mid-year, will bring us extra non-duty funding to even prolong the runway and open up the possibilities from an um, application viewpoint and future program viewpoint. It certainly has been very difficult for the entire industry um, and probably remain for a good part of this year. Mm -hmm. um, not that I have a crystal ball, but it's going to take time to bring back. These things don't generally change with the flip of the switch. <laughs> no, it takes a little bit of time. But a few success will bring us back to being confident and excited about what this uh, amazing industry that we're part of can do to patients. And that is going to come back for sure. I have absolutely no doubt. And you're going to see a next generation of um, technology such as what we're doing at Sales Biomedicine uh, coming up front uh, page and front and center to generate significant value and attract significant uh, capital as well. Um, we don't have to fundraise right now. I think the first pass for us is to attract a partner and work with expert mm -hmm. and committed strategic partner that's want to play long um, with us. And that will bring um, money in the bank to be very uh, clear, but we don't need right now uh, um, to raise to deliver our first human. Yeah. Which again, it's a very enviable position that very few, right, by a top of my friend in the industry, sure. have right now as a as a luxury. I do agree with you that it's important to translate. I'm, I'm an engineer by background, so maybe my head is uh, into the uh, concrete. 
you complete NASA. What, what we, sort of engineering? I'm a chemical engineer. Chemical uh, engineer. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's your PhD. Uh, no, my PhD was in material science. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I'm also part of this industry for impact to patient, and uh, I I value and I love science, uh, but I I want to see science making a difference and being part of this industry, uh, translating, building pipeline, and ultimately bringing novel medicine to a solve patient need is what it's all about for yeah. all of us i'm quite sure so it's important for us to demonstrate that we can productize and not only build an amazing engine and that's uh, uh fortunately where we already are with uh, many different potential program great data generated on the application side of it line of sight for five candidates in the next 18 months um, two first human in 30 months and I'm going to get back to the vision is uh, <laughs> true more medicine today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, like well, I was going to say, you, you, kind of, there's like, no better. You, you made it clear that you want to do these things quickly. <laughs> Speed is <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow's medicine today. Um, when you, so you say partnerships are, are sort of key. Right? Absolutely. The MO, yes. you know, not, not too concerned about the runway partnerships. Um, you come to a place like San Francisco during JPM week. Right. Uh, what's the what's the goal? Is it is it sort of to explore we, these partnerships? Loaded with partnership discussion, mm-hmm. uh, so investor discussion uh, on or investor already committed to a success to having invested in both company or separated company. We have full support. At least that's how I feel we are based on reception as we process through the transaction mm-hmm. we had enthusiastic support behind this uh, transaction it makes sense for everybody including our investors so i think our investors are probably looking at you know what i want to see that moving in the right direction i want to see program and data and that's exactly what i want to see as well yeah uh, and i do hope to ignite this sense of uh, energy behind so what what we put together here by engaging this week at JPM, I will be tomorrow at the conference at uh, 2 p.m. presenting sales. And I, I do hope to be able to communicate our energy action around what we're trying to do and bring reassurance that um, this merge comes from two growth companies, mature technology, that stack what we need to move us to this era of uh, fully programmable medicine. And I'm quite excited for what it means to patient and shareholder. Tremendous value mm-hmm. for shareholders and patients here that we're gonna unleash. Yeah. Well, we'll be uh, you know, you you set the bar. We've talked about how speed is important <laughs> yes. and uh, the patient benefit. We'll be we'll be paying attention to, <laughs> to trying to trying to hang on. Yes. We'll be trying to hang on for the breakneck ride. So <laughs> I appreciate you coming and spend some time with me. I Thank know you, Matt. It's a very, it's a very busy week for everyone involved, and yeah. I, uh, I really appreciate that you made the time to stop. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was yeah. a pleasure meeting you as well. Thank you for the opportunities. I'm Matt Piller, and you just listened to the Business of Biotech, the weekly podcast dedicated to the builders of biotech. We drop a new episode with a new exec every Monday morning, and I'd like you to join our community of subscribers at BioprocessOnline.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our never spammy, always insightful monthly newsletter at bioprocessonline.com backslash B-O-B. If you have feedback or topic and guest suggestions, hit me up on LinkedIn and let's chat. And as always, thanks for listening.